Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. A little disclaimer here. You are going to see me hobble around a little bit. Uh, your boy got back into martial arts after being out for t- about 20 years. And uh, we had our first tournament this weekend. And my son, Zeeland, I, I put him in martial arts about five months ago. And I just decided to do the journey with him. There's actually a guy in our church that has his black belt. And he did it with his dad. And he kind of told me about the whole story and how it connected he and his dad. And I just like fell in love with this idea of getting my black belt with my son, Zeeland. I don't know if it was a really good idea or not yet, but we'll see, I guess, in a couple of years. And so we had our first tournament. I was so proud of Zeeland. He got two medals. Like, he broke boards. And he's just in kindergarten. He's doing really good. I'm really, I'm really proud of him. He's starting to hit me, and I'm like, wow, that hurt, like, a little bit. Like, I'm not letting him know that. But, you know, it's like he's starting to get a little stronger. And, and so I, I did really good. I, I was doing forms, board breaking, sparring, all this stuff. So I'm in, my, I'm in, like, my third round of sparring, and I did really good. I won the first couple matches. Really proud of myself. And, and I switched, like leg fighting positions and I don't know now see now I feel like an old man because I wish I got kicked in the leg and had some really good story to tell you today and I don't I simply switch fighting positions and man my knee goes out and it popped I could hear it I felt it and I fell to the floor like a champ I really did I went out like the champ and uh, it was kind of a bummer. And so I'm like, well, I get a really good illustration today, I guess. I don't know. To, we'll bring up wounds later today. But uh, anyway, I'm excited. So I'm going to sit down. The preaching today became a teaching, okay, y'all? So that's where we're going to go. Uh, but I'm excited. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of today. Now, to start off Family Matters uh, Volume 3, I want to show you a few images that are, are really kind of powerful. I follow this account called Business Magnets, and uh, I got it from them. This is kind of eye-opening. And so before the age of 20, you'll spend a lot of time with a lot of friends, okay? After 30, you'll spend a small amount of time with just a few friends. So look how that drops off there. So, you know, your teens, 20s, lots of lots of time with lots of friends. Man, after 30, I don't know what happens to us. Like, just, we have very little margin and just a few friends, okay? At the next one. These are all really eye-opening, okay? After the age of 20, you only spend a small amount of time with your family and parents, before the end of their or your life. If you are fortunate enough still to have your parents living, call them today. Let them know you love them and let mom talk as long as she wants. Amen. I'm telling you. Listen, when I, when I first started hearing some stats like this, I was like, dude, I'm going to be a good son. I call my parents every single week and I let them talk about squirrels and deer and weather and things I don't even care about just to talk to them. If you still have your parents, do your pastor a favor and talk to your parents. They love you. Now that I've got four kids, I get it. I get it. If you don't have kids yet, you're like, I don't get it. You'll get it one day. Go love on mom, okay? All right, so that's a fascinating one. You'll spend a huge amount of your time between age 20 and 60 with the people you work with. I really do believe life is too short to hate what you do. I really do. I think God has a, has a little bit better of a plan uh, of that. I'm not saying quit your job tomorrow. <laughs> Pastor told me to quit my job. No, you know, I'm not saying that, okay, but I, I think God can get you there. But we spend a lot of time with the people we work with. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks as well. If you're a parent, you'll spend the most time with your children between 25 and 50. After that, you won't see them that often. I thought, well, I thought, oh, yo, that, that hit me, right? I got four little kids. That one hit me pretty hard. The time you spend with your partner will continue to increase from the day you meet them until the day you die. 
I hope you like who you're married to. Okay, it's gonna you're gonna get more time with them. Uh, one, I think one or two more. At 30 years old, the amount of time you spend by yourself increases the day until you die. Wow, that's good. It's important to love our, ourselves and have have a good have a good thought life. I, I wanted to preach a message this morning. Teach a message this morning called "Connections Over Conflict." I fundamentally believe that God wants you to have healthy, godly, life-giving relationships in your life. My great-grandfather said, if you could count your best friends on one hand, you've had a great life. You know, the reality is for most of us, once you get married, maybe you have a few kids, a few friends, we don't have a lot of relational margin for like 50 people. And so the reality is because of work, because of life, the demands of life, you really get a handful of people that you're really, really doing life with. And so even though you have 100,000 followers on Instagram or TikTok, right, who you're actually doing life with isn't that many people. In those close relationships, whether they're family, friends, you know, spouse, uh, we want connections to rule the day and not conflict. So if you're in here, first of all, and you're like, oh, man, I've got some conflict. Okay, first of all, take a deep breath. Everyone has conflict. Everyone has conflict. My wife and I don't have conflict. We have intense fellowship because we're pastors. Okay, it's a joke. Okay, that's not true. Like we have, everyone has conflict. Okay, but what, what we want is we want to address conflict in a healthy way, which conflict done in a healthy way can even lead to stronger and more connections. It's interesting. Personalities usually do one of two things in conflict. When conflict happens, one personality tries to get angry, right? And they go big. They go forceful. They intimidate. They try to shut the other person down through anger, right? And so they, they go big. The, the other type that's kind of unhealthy is avoidance, right? We're always avoiding conflict and dodging conflict. It's interesting. Jesus didn't avoid conflict, and he didn't always, like, you know, get angry and lose his stuff, right? He addresses conflict. And as believers, we want to address conflict in a healthy way, have healthy conflict, so in the end, we can have greater connection. There's a, there's a scripture I wanted to read, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation, right? The old's gone, the new's here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is bringing back together. God has given you and I this ministry to bring relationships, to bring people back together, and certainly in our close relationships, friends, family, marriages, there's this process of reconciliation. Here's what I've learned 20 years following Jesus and pastoring. Love is unconditional. Relationships cannot be. Love is unconditional. Relationships, however, are conditional, right? My marriage has conditions. Don't date anybody else on Friday. That's a condition, Right? Even my relationship with Jesus has conditions. Come, follow me. Right? All relationships, all meaningful relationships have conditions. And that's okay. That's all right, okay? Relationships are like bank accounts. They need both people, or if there's several friends, they need people to put more deposits in than withdrawals. So even in your work relationships, you've got a work relationship, you're depositing respect. But if the other person is not depositing any respect, how good is that relationship? It's not very good, right? So so relationships require more deposits than withdrawals. What happens if one person is making all the deposits and another person is making all the withdrawals? Eventually, the relationship goes bankrupt. And one person is is exhausted, right? Because they've been trying to, to pour in, pour in. What if both don't deposit? Well, it goes bankrupt even faster, right? So relationships, they, they require us to make 
make deposits. Um, what, I, what I think is interesting is anytime God wants to bless my life, you know what he often does? He sends a person. Anytime the enemy wants to distract my life, you know what he does? He sends a person. Isn't it amazing that both God and the enemy will use people to bless and distract or deter? Using wisdom to discern what is what makes all the difference in life. For the first 20 years of our life, we get a lot of knowledge. We don't get a lot of wisdom. All right? We put so much attention to making money in our career and focus and all these things, but yet we never learn how to navigate relationships. Look at your neighbor one more time. That is the most complicated thing in the universe. Go ahead, look at them. Human beings are some of the most complicated things on planet Earth, okay? You being one of them, all right? We are complicated. Navigating human relationships can be really, really difficult. And this is why we need God's wisdom and God's discernment. And I do fundamentally believe that God wants to fill your life with good, healthy, godly relationships and connections. They are wildly, wildly life-giving. There is nothing like great relationships, okay? And God, God has a plan for us, okay? Um, let, let, let me move on here a little bit, okay? Um, so I want to talk about a few things that kind of create conflict, and then we want to kind of navigate that together today so in the end, you can just go on and have better and better connections. Now, Later on this series, we're going to talk marriage next week. Uh, we're going to talk about how do you know to find the right person to marry. A couple of weeks from now, we'll talk about, hey, when to reconcile, when to maybe put up a boundary, you know, how to navigate all these things. So we're going to take a lot of different angles. But today, for today's purposes, let's assume that the relationships that are in your life, these close, meaningful relationships, are the relationships that God wants for you. Okay? And, and so we're going to take it from that angle. How in these relationships do we have more connection than conflict? So that makes sense. Okay? And what, I, what I've learned over, again, 20 years of doing this thing, all my relationships I hold like this. They're all open-handed. Except my kids, that's like this. Okay? My home is a benevolent dictatorship. I tell them when to go to bed. I tell them when to get up. I tell them what to eat, even if they don't like it. Come on, right? I tell them when they can have ice cream and when they can't. Why? Because they'd always choose ice cream, okay? And this is how all this is how relationships start out, right? Home is a dictatorship, okay? But as they get older, even this relationship goes from control to coaching, counseling, and in the end, hopefully friend. But our friends, our spouses, the people we date, we hold with an open hand. My wife and I are married 18 years this year. And thankfully, our relationship is better than it has ever been. We're having a lot of fun parenting together, and our, our marriage is in a neat revival season right now. And it's just been a lot of fun. And we've had some rough years. But right now, we're in a really nice revival season of our marriage. But how many of you know if my wife wants to leave me, I can't lock her in a closet? Right? Like, it's all open-handed. Not even God tries to control me, right? Right? So I've learned the relationships in my life, if I keep an open hand and I trust God to meet my needs with his goodness, right, then I don't, I don't have to do anything about it, right? I, I get to keep an open hand. I don't have to worry about that. So let me go into this next point here. How do we live with these open hand is the relationships that God has placed in our hands, right? And when you live like this, this is a good way to live because God can put relationships in that he wants. And if there's some relationships in your life that he doesn't want, he can take it out. 
And I've learned I don't want to close, I don't want to close my fist. God can place and God can remove, and I'm gonna love and serve in between, right? So so out of these relationships, we have an open hand. Let's just say God's put some people in your life. How do we have more connection than conflict? Okay, number one, main source of conflict in marriage, relationships, work relationships, friendships is power and control. Power and control. Who gets control here? This is a good one. Are you ready for this? Now, watch this. We as human beings, all right, we as human beings, when we get hurt or when we're afraid, we seek control. Why? Because we don't want to be hurt anymore. We don't want to be afraid. We don't like fear. So now we want control. Who hasn't been hurt in human relationships? Everybody. Everybody has been hurt in human relationships. And when we get hurt, guess what we do? We want, we're grasping for control. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Everybody say self-control. Self-control. I want control of my thoughts. I want control of my diet. I want control of my money. I want control of me. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to control somebody else. Nobody liked that one. Okay, here we go. Right? God gives me his Spirit so I can control me, which is a hard enough job. That's a full-time job, me controlling me. And I'll tell you why. Because the hardest person in the world to say no to is yourself. You have no problem telling me no. You're like, oh, that was easy telling Pastor Matt no. That was great. That was... Okay? But telling yourself no, that's hard. That's why God pours out his Holy Spirit for self-control. But in my relationships, man, they're, they're like this, right? Those of you that are married, you realize now, God, I can't control my spouse. <laughs> now you get it, right? It's all very, very different. We were never designed to control anybody else. God gives us a spirit for self-control, right? So how do, we, how do we calm the control? Because we're all hurt. We trust the goodness of God. Every relationship in my life that I ever tried to close on, right, or, or keep on something that was super unhealthy for me, um, you know, guess what the whole time I'm doing? I'm trying to control it. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm maybe, you know, I'm trying to hang in there, you know. All the great relationships in my life, I've never had to close my fist on. Think about that. Married 18 years, four kids, got a chunk of good friends. I've never had to grasp for any one of them. They've just stayed. All my super close guy friends right now, all my relationships, super low maintenance. Super low maintenance. I mean, I might talk to my best friends every two or three months. And for some of you, that's shocking. But my home life right now is high maintenance with little kids. And so I don't have a lot of time for them. I'm like, I love you. I'll call you in a couple months. And they're like, I love you. I'll talk to you in a couple months. And we guess what? We pick up right where we left off. Now, that's me and my friends. You might be very different. You're like, I can't go 24 hours. I'm talking to my bestie. That's fine. That's you. That's not me, right? So I wouldn't work with every 48 hours of communication. But that's for me. It, it, it works in that sense. And so, so I've learned, God, if I live like this and I trust your goodness to fill my life with good things, I never have to grasp. But sad for me, so many people in the body of Christ are acting like beggars. 
we still haven't come to the place in our soul where we've learned to just trust in the goodness and the love that God has for us, right? And so we're still grasping when it's like, God, I could let go and trust you to bring the right people into my life. When I'm controlling a relationship, what am I doing? I'm not enjoying the relationship. I'm having to work instead of enjoy. Rather, what if God wants to give you people to enjoy, to love, and to serve? I've always sensed an ease with the relationships that God wants to give me. They just work. I don't have to over-explain myself, you know? I, I, I heard one time, like, don't over-explain yourself. Your friends don't need it, and your haters will never believe it. I'm like, that's actually kind of true. <laughs> that's actually kind of true. Your friends just kind of know, you know who you are, right? It's, it's, ju- it's just there. Um, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If peace and joy are two-thirds of the kingdom, and God has prepared kingdom relationships for me, then peace and joy ought to be major markers in my relationships. And if peace and joy are not major markers in the relationship, I kind of need to ask why. Right? Why? Why is peace and joy not here? If I'm in this relationship, I'm doing this thing God's way, and it's not there, now, now why? Now, it could be me. Maybe I'm not doing something according to God's word. Maybe they're not, okay? Maybe we're both not. But you have to start yourself and ask, like, well, listen, if peace and joy are the kingdom, and this should be exploding inside of me, why is this present or not present? I preached this message before, but it's been about a year ago, and I took, I took the message of Jonah, the story of Jonah. Jonah's a prophet God called to preach to Nineveh, right? He doesn't want to go, so he, he buys a ticket, jumps on a boat, tries to go somewhere else. God sends a storm. Now the sailors are experiencing a storm that was never intended for them. They're throwing all of their resources overboard. They're frantically running around while Jonah's asleep in the boat. And the storm didn't stop until they kicked Jonah off the boat. Some people are in your life, and they're creating storms that were never meant for you. And the storms won't stop until you put up a boundary. I made some of y'all think, didn't I? Things that are of God usually get more and more peaceful. Things that are not, even though I'm working harder and harder, get worse and worse. That's 20 years of bleeding out for y'all, okay? So take that wisdom because I've had to learn, God, if you're in it, it just works because you're in it. And if you're not, then it's stormy and I just, I'm working hard and it's getting stormier. Why? The last relationship I had that was super stormy was actually a work relationship uh, with another guy. And it just, man, I, for whatever reason, it was stormy. And you know what? The storm didn't stop until I said, I can't. <laughs> Goodbye. I need a boundary. And you know what? My life got a whole lot better and a whole lot more peaceful. You don't have to do that with a lot of people. If there's a few people, I need to love you from a distance. I pray for you. Love is unconditional. Forgiveness is unconditional. Okay? Some people, you need to love from a bit of a distance. And that's kind of different for everybody. It doesn't mean, you know, I mean, you can try, but man, if it's just not there, let it be at peace. You know, Paul said this. He said, as much as I could, live at peace with everybody. As much as it's up to you, as much as you can. Once you've done that, be at peace. Be at peace. Amen? Okay, let me talk about this one because I think this is good. So, number one, if control is such an issue and it creates a lot of conflict in relationships, one of the first things I want to do in my life then is say, God, if I'm trying to control these pieces, let me let go of control and I'm going to start trusting you. Okay, so that's number one. How do I start seeing more peace, more connections in my life? I'm going to trust God in my relationships, and I'm not going to be the Holy Spirit for somebody else, right? As Christians, we can sometimes be the Holy Spirit for somebody else. I'm not the Holy Spirit, 
and you're not the Holy Spirit. My job is to love, serve, pray, give, do all these things, but I will never convict someone of any sin ever. I can even open the Bible and tell them, but I still can't bring the conviction. The Holy Spirit has to do that. When we try to convict people of stuff, it just never goes well. Why? Because it feels like control. And what happens when you feel controlled? You back out. You get defensive. You put the dukes up. I've never heard a testimony ever of a believer said, man, I was yelled at so much until I got saved. I have never heard anyone say, I was argued to death in this thing. There's a great quote, and it said, man, if you're argued into the faith, somebody else can come along and argue you out of the faith. But there's a lot of stories of I was loved into the faith, I was served into the faith, I felt the Holy Spirit, I read the scriptures, my eyes were open. Come on, guys, this is good. Like, this is how people get into the faith, right? So in my relationships, I want to keep an open hand, and I'm trusting God's goodness, that he's not trying to shortchange me in church. He's not trying to shortchange you, okay? All right, number two, second one. I want to lean to this one. Open wounds. Open wounds. There's a difference between a scar and an open wound. I heard one preacher say, he said, preach from your scars, not your wounds. That's great advice, and I, I do. You know, there's a difference. A, a scar is there, and it tells a story, but you can push on it, and it doesn't hurt. A wound, you push on, and it hurts. And how many of you know that infected wounds grow and grow and then it can infect even healthy tissue and sometimes you take the whole arm off, right? Some of us, all of us, really, we've been hurt in relationships. And it doesn't mean that we're beyond repair, but it means that we need Christ. What happens with open wounds, if we're never healed from our open wounds, we start bleeding on people that never cut us. We start carrying our wound everywhere we go, and really our wound gets in our way. Several years before I met my wife, Alyssa, I had a relationship that lasted several years, and and I really got hurt in this relationship. It took me two years of marriage before I trusted my wife. Why? A wound. They take time to heal. They take time to heal. Some of you, I, I love you so much, but you're changing relationships faster than I change my laundry. If you're wounded, slow down. Slow down. Like, like my knee, right? I cannot run on my knee right now. If I tried, I would do more damage. So many, even believers, are running on a wounded soul. You don't need to run on a wounded slow, slow down and let Jesus heal you. Why? Because you're going to go from the next thing to the next thing. You know, and the world will never tell you this, right? They're like, yo, medicate that relationship with a new relationship. Well, that's great, but you're bringing your broken heart into the new thing. I preached a message once a couple years ago, date one person at a time. Because some of you are going out to the movies with somebody this weekend, but you still got the last guy and the last girl in your heart because it was just like five weeks ago. Now you're doing this whole relationship based off this last relationship. You've never got healing. You couldn't even get over it yet. Give yourself time to heal. I love this scripture in Jeremiah 30. God talking to his people. He said, I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. We have a healing Jesus. God can heal your heart. Let him do the work on your heart. There is a process to healing. There's a process to healing. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need to hear this. There is a process. Every time you violate the process, like the children of Israel, you just go around the mountain again one more time. God's like, I want to take you to the promised land, but there's a process, 
And if you don't embrace the process, we're going to do another circle until you all get this. So many times we slow our own life down. Rather, just say, God, I'm going to embrace the process and let you heal what needs to be healed in me so I can bring wholeness to the next relationship, the next friend, the next coworker, et cetera, et cetera. If you're hurt today, it's okay. We're all hurt. We all have wounds. Let God make the wound a scar and then go on. Today, if you want counseling, we actually will pay for your first session or two at Sheridan. Okay, if you want pastoral care, hit me up right here. I'll take you out for coffee in the next few weeks. Okay, like we, healing is found in God's presence. Healing is found in community. Healing is found in talking it out. Okay, get healed. If you hear nothing else today, embrace your healing process, church. Go on whole and then run because wounds will get in your way. Wounds will get in your way. Number three. Are y'all with me so far? Are you tracking? That last one was real, wasn't it? I know we've all, we've all been hurt, man, but let's, let's get healed. Let's get whole. Number three, how do we have more connection than conflict? Number three, this came up a lot, lack of communication. Bad communication has ruined a lot of good things, has it not? One of my favorite quotes is Dr. John Maxwell. He says, the most dangerous thing about communication is that you believe it's happened. I love that quote. That is one of the realest, realest things. Uh, how many of you are married out there? Give me, give me a show of hands. Okay, maybe a fourth of our crowd, okay? How many of you in a relationship, though? You got a relationship? Okay, all right, so chunk more of us, okay? All right, so you know you've said something, and you meant it one way, and they heard something totally different, didn't they? And then they responded out of what they heard, not what you meant, and then they said something, and now you're like, why are they mad at me? Now I'm mad at you for being mad at me because there was no reason to be mad at me, right? And it, it, it spirals out of control. It's called the crazy cycle. There's a book, Love and Respect. This man right here, Dr. Emerson, man, helped our marriage so much. I mean so much because we were on this crazy cycle, right? Something was said. It, was, it meant one way. It was, it was heard another way. And, man, it just got rolling, got rolling. And what I realized in all these years of marriage, you need some off-ramps. Before you jump on. And by the way, this crazy cycle happens in about two seconds, right? Like you look at your spouse the wrong way you, or whatever. It's just, it, it's fast, right? So you need some off-ramps. My wife and I have learned to say, hey, when you said that, I felt this. Did you mean it? When you said that or did that, this is what I picked up. Did you actually mean that? Just that little phrase, that little off-ramp, man, has changed our relationship forever. And then I got to stop and be like, maybe I am being petty. No, no, I didn't mean it like that, whatever. And it just calms it down before it takes off. Because once you, you guys know, once it takes off, it takes off. And humans, once we're emotional, oh, just forget it. Like, it just, it's all over. We get emotional, no logic, no sense. We're just angry. And, and what is it often? Often, guys, honestly, it's a wound that's been pressed on. And because we haven't gotten total healing yet, we're, we're pushing on a wound. Our partner's pushing on a wound, and it hurts. And we feel unloved or disrespected or not believed in. And we're so bad as humans just saying what we actually feel. Instead, we just say something petty instead. Am I, come on, this is true, right? So we want to learn how to, how to communicate. A couple of things for my wife and I that have helped us so much. We ask ourselves a few questions, and this will work in all your close relationships. Did I make an effort to communicate my heart? We as human beings are so bad at sharing our heart. I mean, I, I, and when I'm in a moment with my wife, I'm not going to say, babe, the truth is I just i am discouraged. I'm going through this. I just feel disrespected. If you would just do this, it would help me so much. No, I say something snappy, right? Like I, I say something sharp, and that's how it comes out. The real need is underneath, but we just 
spitting surface stuff. So I have to stop and ask myself, did I make a real effort to communicate my heart to my wife? Um, number two, did I find the right time and place to communicate? How many of you know that we're trying to get the kids ready for school is not the right time? How many of you know after you're exhausted from work and you've had a bad day, it's not the right time? Right? Maybe you're exhausted, you're trying to go to bed, not the right time. Find a good time with, with your spouse, find a good time with your friends to have the conversation. If you can, give yourself at least 15 minutes. Because nothing is said well in 30 seconds in passing and going, right? Uh, number three, uh, did I choose my words slowly and with some wisdom? Did I choose my words with some wisdom on what I thought they might pick up? Again, we just, boom, boom, we just fire stuff off. But did I choose my words with some wisdom? Did I communicate well? Number four, unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations, right? So, I want to trust God in my relationships. I want to let go of control. I want to be open-handed, right? I want, to, I want to communicate well. I want to get healed from the wounds that I might have that I'm bringing to the table so I can have better connections. And, and number four, this came up a lot. Do I have godly, healthy expectations? Look at your neighbor one more time. They're not perfect. I hate to ruin it for you, but there is no perfect person. Some of you right now are dating, 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 looking for the perfect person. They don't exist. They just don't exist. And I'm sorry to tell you that. I really am. But they just don't exist. Do we have godly and healthy expectations in our relationships? I kind of live by the 80-20 rule. It's the Pareto principle. And I love this. And how this works is if my wife loves me 80% of the time, that's enough. I'll take it. I'm not going to worry about the 20%. Like, if I got 80%, that's a passing grade. You know, let's go for it. If there's kind words, 80%, I'm good. Let's just make it happen, you know? The reality is no one is perfect. You're not perfect. You will fail. They're not perfect. They will fail. But is God in the midst of it? Is it filled with peace? Is there connection, right? Do I have healthy expectations that I'm bringing to this issue? My wife and I are masters at making trades right now. We are so good at making trades. Have you ever heard the phrase, pick a hill to die on? Right, where it's like comes from the military, where it's like, this is our hill, we're not moving, we're gonna, you know, bunker down right here. Everybody has a hill they're willing to die on, okay? That's the truth about life, it's the truth about people. You're gonna have a hill, you're like, yo, I'm not moving from here, that's great. But where will you move? My wife and I are so good at making trades. She's like, why are you doing that? I don't know, I like it. Okay, fine, let's trade somewhere else, you know? Anywhere you can give, church, give. Anywhere you can serve, serve. Anywhere you can be flexible, be flexible. And where you can't, okay, I guess you can't. What I've learned is God's never asking me to be inauthentically me. In all my relationships, I get to be me. And in those, the relationships that God has for me, they fit very well in this hand because my hands are open. If I try to like control, then I have to go all over. But if I'm like, God, actually, I trust your goodness. I trust what you're doing in my life. I trust who you're bringing in my life. And I get to be me but the people that you brought to me just fit well here, that's a good recipe. And then where I can, I make trades. I don't want to be petty. It's not like I get everything my way. It doesn't work like that. I make lots of trades, and my wife and I have mastered the art of trades and drawing, drawing lines. So, so here's, here's the thing. If, if you've got an unhealthy expectation on somebody, they're going to quickly get depleted. You might be happy, but they're going to get exhausted real fast because no one can chase perfection forever. They can't do it. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't have godly, healthy expectations. All relationships have boundaries. All relationships have expectations. All relationships have conditions. That's okay. That's part of health. It's part of relational health, okay? But, but let's not be, like, off the charts on our expectations, okay? Does that make sense? There's a tension there. Jesus told everything to the Father. 
He had Peter, James, and John. He had the three. He had the 12. He had the 70. It came in circles, and he was able to master the art of each levels of those relationships. You're going to have these relationships in your life. You're going to have limited time with each one. And my prayer for you is that God fills them with healthy, healthy connections so connections can rule the day instead of conflict. So if you're in here today and you're like, yo, pastor, I just went through a really hard relationship. I'm wounded. Take time. Be in God's presence. Talk about it. Heal before you go on. Pastor, I'm in here today. I'm super petty. I've got crazy expectations for my spouse. Let's bring it down. Pastor, I'm in here today. I'm trying to control every relationship I've got because I'm afraid of being alone. Let's trust God to put the right people in your life. He's not trying to shortchange you. Amen. Pastor, I'm a terrible communicator. Let's read some books. Let's get better. Come on, guys, okay? Like, we want more connections, less conflict. God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And I believe God doesn't want to shortchange you in the area of relationships. As you trust him and lean on him, God will add good people to your life. Let me pray for you really quick. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, thank you for today's teaching. God, I pray that wherever people are at, I pray that you would heal them, that you'd heal their wounds. I pray that you'd help them. I pray that you would help them trust you, let go of control. Every time they've tried to pick it up and control it, it's gone wrong. So what would it look like to let go of control and trust Jesus with the outcome. God, thank you for being faithful. In your amazing name we pray, amen and amen. Give it up for God real quick. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.